old guys talk metal. And sometimes punk. You're listening to the Old Guys Talk Metal and Sometimes Punk podcast. 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 Hello? Brady Campbell. What is happening? This is the diabolical one, Sean Hart, calling you from the Old Guys Talk Metal and Sometimes Punk podcast with my special guest and co-host, Bobby V. I didn't know I was Hi, a Bobby guest. <laughs> Thank you. I, You're welcome. So, tell us about yourself. Tell the world. People want to know who you are, <laughs> right? <laughs> they know who we are. We don't care. They don't care about us. They want to hear about you. Uh, Enough about us. Uh, Brady Campbell uh, from a small town in... Uh, Illinois, uh, musician, uh, been lucky enough to work with some, uh, really great bands who never made it, uh, got some notoriety, worked my way into production. I've been with, uh, Live Nation as a production manager and production director for about uh, 20 years now. Wow. So basically, uh, either been working in record stores, a professional musician and or, uh, production manager for uh, my entire life. That's pretty impressive. Where in Illinois did you grow up? Carbondale, Illinois. The home of Southern Illinois University. That is. I'm I'm from Chicago. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Carbondale's uh, Chicago's southmost suburb. I've been to Carbondale many times for many a party down there. (laughs) (laughs) Party school. Party school. Yeah, yeah, I uh, grew up there. Ended up getting involved in the music scene uh, in the in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, uh, Carbondale. And I'm sure, it, and it still does, has a wonderful music scene for, for a town on its side. And, so uh, I, I know about the uh, the Copper Dragon just, yes, from, just, yeah. from, just from touring myself, but you're saying yeah. that the Lost Cross is the place to be. Well, Lost Cross is a house. So um, it was started in 1986. Six uh, by some folks who were in a band uh, called Diet Christ and uh, Bloodstained Tool. Uh, they moved into a house. Uh, Mikey Snot from Diet Christ lost his cross earring and threw a fit, and it was dubbed a lost cross. And I started going there when I was in high school and uh, met all of the kids. You know, when, when you're 16 years old and you, you meet a 21, 22-year-old guy with a mohawk, uh, who plays punk rock, it, it becomes very, very memorable. Yeah. Uh, and very influential in your life. Sure. So I uh, started hanging out there. I started playing in bands, you know, at any, any given time I was playing in, in, in five or so different bands, different genres. Uh, started playing in a band called uh, The Perpetrators. Uh, and we decided that was a horrible band name which it wasn't. That's an awesome band name. We changed it to Motor Breath after Metallica song. Motor Breath's pretty uh, good too. <laughs> yeah. We, we were a three-piece Metallica tribute act. Don't try that at home, kids. And uh, we started writing our own songs. And uh, for about three months, we were a Metallica tribute band, I guess, in Carbondale, Illinois. And uh, then we started uh, writing our originals. And we became very popular very quickly. And started playing in front of like seven, eight, nine hundred folks in, in small college towns around Illinois and Missouri, and, sure. and we had no we had no idea that uh, that just didn't happen. We just thought, you know, I was you know twenty, twenty one at the time. We just thought you started a band and you, and people came and saw it. We didn't know, uh, you know, and I found out later that's not how it actually happened. But 
that uh, turned into other projects. Um, started playing in a punk band called Nitro Junior because uh, my friend uh, John Collins uh, met me when I was in Motor Breath. We started playing some acoustic songs together, and he started a band called Nitro Junior and told everybody I was in it. Uh, never asked me, uh, just told me every, the entire town I was in Nitro. And then uh, a band called Bottle Tones, which John was in, which was a side project. Uh, I started playing sock, Psychobilly and Rockabilly uh, after they had seen Little Charlie and the Nightcats in Memphis drunk one night, came back to Carbondale. We started doing that when Nitro wasn't on the road, and it became very popular very quickly. And that was the most popular, most successful band I was ever in. Uh, just because it was mid-90s, late 90s, right when, you know, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, Reverend Horky, Dick Dale, all that stuff. Sure. It, was, it got real popular real quick. And we uh, just kind of rode that wave. Just, you'll pay us how much, you know? Okay, we'll show up. <laughs> right, why wouldn't you? And, and we started playing all over the country, you know, and uh, made a couple records with Steve Albini um, and uh, had a great time. Uh, I got to play on stage with Link Ray because of that band. Uh, I got to play on stage with Dick Dale because of that band. Wow. Oh, that was, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, good times. So tell me what it's like uh, working with Steve Albini, of course, in Big Black and the others, but he's, he's an icon in Illinois and Chicago in general. How's it working with Steve? Oh, wonderful. He, he took care of us. He, he, he was wonderful to us. He took us under his wing a little, you know, I guess as much as, as he can, because, you know, he, he claims just to be an engineer and, but, you know, he, he scheduled our time in between bigger acts. He uh, let us come in and stay there when we were still traveling to Carbondale. We moved to Chicago about 99. The first time we worked with him was about 98. And uh, we, he would schedule us like in, one time we were in between neurosis uh, dates. Uh, and, and the second time we were in between cheap trick stuff and all their stuff was still around. And he would just record us. And, uh, you know, he made our budgets. He would change chords. But he's not a producer. Just ask him. But no, he he was fantastic. His, his ear, <laughs> oh, uh, are you his, saying he's? Uh, are you saying Steve Albini is a tracking engineer? Uh, that's what he says. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but you he's know, actually, come on, no, because I've been yeah, an engineer for a long time, and there's a big difference between a producer and a tracking engineer. He he told us when to show up. He he tracked our budget. He changed chords and songs. If that's not a producer, I don't know what is one. But sure. um, his. Uh, his, his facility uh, ear uh, is just spectacular. You know, the big room is, is uh, completely measured off of Abbey Road's main room uh, to the, you know, to the, to the millimeter. Um, his two, uh, his, his uh, two inch tra uh, tape skills, like watching him cut out pieces of tape in real time. He'll hit, he'll, he'll heat up, the razor blade with a, with a, uh, a wax a pencil. Lighter. Yeah. Yeah. And sit there and cut in real time, you know, shit out and then paste it back in where it's supposed to be. Yeah. And like watching him do that is it, just spectacular. He, he was, he was wonderful to us. That's how I, I, that, that's I how heard. I, that's how I cut my teeth was on reel to reels. So I know all about that. And people don't seem to know Steve yeah. Albini, interesting enough, started his career in college radio. 
Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And he got kicked off because he played stuff that, he, that he wasn't allowed to play. But he was like, us, we do the same yeah. thing. We play what we want to play. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. And that's how you have yeah, to do it, exactly. people out there. Just be yourself. Yeah. Play, do what you want to do. Play your own music. You know, just be yourself. And Steve Albini is one of those people that's like that. He's a legendary in Chicago history, if not music history. And oh, absolutely. thank God you, you got know. to work with him, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, it, it, it couldn't have been a better experience. We recorded two albums with him, uh, with the Bottle Tones, one called Sheriff of Bottle Tone County and the other one called uh, Adult Time. Uh, I've, I've, I've had two engineers in my life, either Scott Munson or Steve Alvey. Scott those, Munson. Those are the two people I've recorded with. I love me a Scott Munson. <laughs> absolutely. And Scott, Scott Munson was my neighbor. And uh, in San Diego. Yeah. And uh, I remember that he came from Chicago or he came from Carbondale and came to Winston's where I was working. Yeah. And he said, uh, hey, I'm an engineer. I want a job. I'm moving to San Diego. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, well, okay, we'll come down next Monday and we'll start doing the Grateful Dead shows. <laughs> he says, okay. And then he says, I, I'm, I go to no place to live. You know, this is like I'd met him two weeks ago. And I'm like, well, the apartment next door to me is coming up for rent. And uh, and that was, the, the rest was history. Yeah. Scott Munson is one of my favorite humans on earth. He is a crazy engineer, too. Oh, and I, really yeah. an unsung engineer. He's a great live engineer. I know now he's doing mostly stage managing production. Yeah, yeah, he's but, a production but, manager now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but he's, he's, yeah. No, he's no slouch at the board. Let me tell you something. No. No, I, uh, any large gig, uh, we ever had, we would pay to have him, uh, show up and, and, uh, do the, do sound for us. One thing I love about and, Scott is that he, when he's behind the board, he freaking cares. Yeah. He, absolutely. he, he freaking sometimes, cares. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. Sometimes too much, but he, he, he made some of the best board tapes I ever heard. Oh, absolutely. He'd sit back absolutely. there with headphones and he'd tweak it. And, uh, of course I worked with him at, at, at house of blues and a great all-around guy. So now, uh, now, well, Brady, I, I want to ask a question. Oh, okay, go ahead. So, the young musician out there growing up, who are your influences to play music? Who did you enjoy listening to? Who really, really got you going? I mean, as far as influencing you to pick up a guitar, whatever you do, and just play some music. Who's who's that? Well, well um, first of all, I have a theory. There's two kinds of music in the world, the kind you enjoy and the kind you don't. So I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, we know that. Yeah. So that, that's it. Those are the only two kinds of music. Um, Ace Frehley, period. A A Ace Frehley is the reason I picked up guitar. He's the whole reason for everything. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, early on, uh, you know, Midwest boy, uh, slightly Southern, uh, Elvis, uh, I was highly into John Denver in my uh, early formative years before I became a teenager. Huh. Um, then, then Kiss, 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 and then Black Sabbath. Right. You know, uh, uh, it, it, and then, you know, I I, I got to say East Bay Ray from the Dead Kennedys. Nice. When I heard that at like 14 or 15 years old, when I heard him, it just turned my head around. Right. It was like, you know, it, 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 as much as I was, you know, and... and all the guitar players I, I were I was into it was it was tone and attitude and you know it wasn't necessarily technical prowess it was more like who 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 has the balls who who has the heart you know 
and who makes it come out of an amplifier? Who's, like, do, who's uh, doing something that surprises you? Not necessarily gymnastic playing like Ingve, but someone like East Bay Ray who just surprises you. Or, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, like Tony Iommi, King of the Riff, of course. And <laughs> what, what can you say about the Space Ace? I mean, without the Space Ace, there's no kiss. You know, yeah, there, there's he, no a lot of there's no a lot of things without Ace Frehley. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's no a lot of things. <laughs> hey, we all know Ace had the best solo album out of those four. You know that everybody knows that. Oh, come on, absolutely. back absolutely. in the New York groove. Come on, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everybody knows he put them to exactly. shame. So speaking of Kiss, you did some work with Kiss right on the road, or tell us that story. Isn't their their latest yeah, the latest yeah, yeah. tour, which is got. Because he got cancer with the COVID nineteen, but it's going to be starting yeah, again. I was, I was with them. So uh, this end of the road tour, uh, which been going on for a while now. Uh, you know, first leg was last year, and I probably did four or five shows while they were in in my uh, region. And then this year, oh man! So I was with them the first two weeks of March. So how stressful is that? So um, they're not kids anymore, you know. So. Uh, the show is huge. You know, it's 20 truck show. It's spectacular. It's the best looking kiss show ever. I've never seen a better looking rock and roll show than the current kiss tour. Right. Um, you know, and, uh, they, I flew out, you know, while COVID was really hammering down and stuff was starting to get scary. I flew out to El Paso and met them there. We did El Paso, uh, you know, there are no cases there. Then I got on a bus with their production folks and rode to Lubbock. We did a, a show in Lubbock. Nice. Then, then, uh, then we went to Tulsa and to the Tulsa was, uh, there was a day off. So flew there on March 14th and everything's getting real scary. And all of a sudden, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to sleep in my hotel and the production manager calls me about 10, 15 at night, which is odd because I've got to be there about 4.30 a.m. Sure. So uh, production manager calls me and says, don't go to sleep. And I knew exactly what was going on there. Like, yeah, I, you know, we're, it's not the flu anymore. It's just going down. Um, so he calls me about a half an hour, you know, lets me know the show's not happening, but they still are going to cross pack because they're getting ready to go. They're probably still going to try to go to South America after this. Right, so you got to organize the trucks and do your production work. Right, right, exactly. So we're still doing a lot of uh, about six hours worth, of, eight hours worth of work. But uh, yeah, just uh, you know, that was it. You know, we went in March fifteenth uh, into uh, BOK Center, one of the best buildings in America, uh-huh. uh, best, best small market in America uh, arena for sure. Um, and that was it, you know, just done. We're going all, all going home. And uh, I was sitting next to an epidemiologist on my flight from Dallas to Austin. And she's telling me she just came from the Ebola headquarters and showing me all of the numbers that are currently true, which was just mind boggling. She's like, you, I know what you do. So I was telling her, and she said, I know you understand this. I know you've been watching this. Like, but there, there is going to be at least 80,000 people dead. She goes, and if we don't change things, probably 2 million. And, uh, it, it was, it was just mind boggling, but, uh, I, I digress. I got away from kiss. Uh, yeah, that was it. And, and so there, it, you know, it, uh, that was the last show I did Mark, uh, 
fucking Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. My last show was uh, Damian Marley uh, and um, Steel Pulse. Same type of thing. 20,000 people, two door, two days outdoors yeah. in the beginning of February. And then the state started shutting down. So yeah. I digress back to this kiss. <laughs> He's going back to kiss. I want to talk about not just kiss. but I, mean, I, I'm, I could talk about, you know, not having ace in the makeup, but the makeup being used. Peter Chris, not there. Makeup being used. I don't know how people kiss fans feel about that. We're kind of on the fence about it. You know, should the makeup being used? Should Ace's makeup be used? What do you think? I mean, I, is that a problem? Or I have, I have no you have no, no opinion. I, 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 uh, I have nothing to say about that. I you're, mean, you're in show business. I understand. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a back and forth. You know, I understand bands do have new people coming in. It happens all the time. I mean, I don't see a problem with it. I really personally don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Doesn't I mean, mean I don't love Ace Freely or Peter Chris, because they do love those guys. All right? right. I mean, well, but Peter's it's a, yeah. Freely. Peter's, I, I, I think Peter's like six or seven years older than the rest of them. He is, and and had breast cancer as a man. So, like, and, and Eric Singer. I mean, come on, Eric Singer's been with them since Eric Carr left. Yes. I sure. mean, rest in peace, you know, Eric Carr. Yep. I mean, Eric. Yeah, exactly. We're not talking and about Eric, a newbie here. Eric Singer has been with them for almost 30 years at this point. So, and, and, Tom, you know, and Tom Thayer, too. I mean, they've earned their spot in Kiss, I think. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't yeah. have a problem in any of it. You know, people do, but I don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But Tommy, this, Thayer, go ahead. Tommy Thayer is a, a true professional and a very nice guy. Absolutely. Always been a nice guy. And on this tour, who was the opening guy? Was it Dave Lee Roth? It was? Yeah, yeah. So, and he fucking killed it. Yeah, tell me. How good David Roth is nowadays. Go ahead. Dude, he showed up. He, he, he like every 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 show I've done with him. About five minutes before they were about to go on, he would just show up, get on stage, and kill it. And and then you know the show's done, and he would leave. And, and you know like you hear all these horrific, you know David Lee Roth stories over the years. You know he. You could see the joy on his face. He was just happy to get up there and be himself. And he was. He was cheeky. He was kind of, you know, nerdy and fan-fucking-tastic. He rocked it. Like, his band was good. Like, if you closed your eyes, you wouldn't know any better. Um, and he was having a blast. And, and everybody in the audience was having a blast. And he's, and I, I just, yeah, he's still a phenomenal shape, too, man, for his age. Oh, I, don't yeah. know how, I don't know how old Dave Lee Roth is. I have no idea, but... I yeah, mean, I, I don't, I don't either. But uh, yeah, he was, he was really good, and it was great to just see him go up there and have fun. Yeah, I think he's getting back. He's also doing residency in Vegas too. If you don't if you've seen yeah, that, check yeah, it out yeah. when Vegas reopens. He's, I'm sure he's gonna start doing his residency again. Diamond Dave, people believe it. Yeah, Diamond Dave. <laughs> We're talking Van Halen. We're talking about talking Van Hagar. So, yeah, we don't talk Van Hagar. <laughs> we, sometimes we talk about Sammy Hagar. We do. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy Hagar's one Sammy thing, Hager's Van Hagar's fine. another. Sammy Hagar's fine. <laughs> okay. We, di- we digress once again. Okay, we so love right. David Lee Roth. We love David Lee Roth. So, I'm going to throw a couple of things out there real quick. Um, we want to hear your Ted Nugent story. Oh. Uh. You know, I was going to tell you the Ted Nugent story, but I think I might tell you a different story. Good. So, Ted. 
All right. So I, I, I was, I had to drive, uh, or I was hired to drive Ted around. I was a stage manager at House of Blues about 2000. I was hired to drive Ted the next day, uh, just get paid cash for them. Um, which, which House of Blues was this? Uh, Chicago. Okay. This was probably 2000. What a beautiful, what a beautiful building too. What a beautiful venue. Oh, I, 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 in, yes, outside and inside. I, I think it's the nicest club in America. I, really I think do. it is too, man. I played there like three times and they treated me like God there. Every show we had there was packed. It was great. I loved that venue. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, it, it, it's oddly set up. It's in a historic building that they gutted and put it in it. It was very controversial when it opened, but it is a beautiful facility. It really is. Uh, uh, boy, I've got some. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I, <laughs> we'll get back I, to this. Uh, we don't want to get you in trouble I with your boss. Drive him around to do a book signing. He he just had a kill it and grill it. I think was the name of it. Something like that. Kill it and grill uh, it. Uh, no, kill it and grill it. Because, right. Because you know he like he liked to kill animals with with bows and such. And uh, so he's <laughs> and. and you know, there's a lot of things he's right about, about keeping, you know, keeping animal populations in check and here's a way to do it. And, you know, it's not real feasible in the modern world, but his theories are, you know, kind of plausible, actually. Uh, but I, I drove him all around northern Illinois from from bookstore to bookstore to do. And it was just me and the nudes. And, and <laughs> that's a that's a story in and of itself. Just me and the nudes. Oh, he, he wasn't wearing <laughs> he, he wasn't wearing a loincloth, was he? <laughs> Uh, he no, but he was wearing some really short shorts. Uh, oh, God help us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, you know, he was still, you know, fit and, and you know, he, he hadn't kind of gotten ahead of himself at that point. But uh, uh, it was uh, it was an interesting day. And, and I would just drive him there and then just wait because he, he wanted me to be at the wheel and uh, ready just to take off. Like, because he knew people would be following him out the door and everything. And uh, I had just, oh, this was, yeah, by 2001, I just bought a Pontiac Aztec, which is a lot about me. But uh, <laughs> we, if he would, at one time, there were people trying to you know, get autographs, and he, and I had the car on, and he actually put it in gear himself. I'm like, oh, this fucking dick. But uh, he waited the whole day. Like I, we got along. He took me to dinner that night, and that was it. Um, so I wasn't going to tell that story. But that's that's the news story. I, I drove him from bookstore to bookstore as he promoted his cookbook. Awesome. Uh, probably ten bookstores. Uh, what was he cooking? Day. Like the Great White Buffalo or something? Was he? <laughs> <laughs> the white rhinoceros or? Uh... <laughs> I'd imagine it'd be pretty crazy. The, ten, the Motor City Madman. You don't get that name for no reason, <laughs> you know? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> okay, so sticking true to our fans, because we have a lot of Black Sabbath fans out there. We do, we do. Uh, around the world. And people want to hear whatever Black Sabbath story you got. Wait, However, let's pose this question we always do. We're going to do a run around here. Okay. Ozzy or Deal? Which one? Oh, Ozzy. Huh. Oh. Uh he jumps right over and to Ozzy. Really? He didn't even care. He's how about, just like, how about, no, no, no. I, you know, uh, listen, uh, Holy Diver, uh, Vivian Campbell, 17 year old Vivian Campbell, one of my favorite records, one of the best metal records of all time. Thank uh, you. Dio, Dio's, uh, Dio's, uh, Sabbath stuff. It's great. 
his, his singing ability, his uh, ability to look just like uh, Rhea Perlman, just spectacular. But Ozzy, Ozzy, period. Nobody sounds like Ozzy. Okay, so... Lots of people sound like Dio. There's not another fucking human... Well, the uh, Slipknot singer, he, Corey, he, he can sound like Ozzy when he's trying to, but naturally, no, nobody sounds like Dio. I mean, like Dio, like Ozzy. Those yeah. first three, four uh, records... And in all of the Ozzy records, there's good songs. Those first four records changed changed the history of music. Yeah, those 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 two or three Dio records didn't change the history of music. They were just good records. Okay, fair enough. Right, they're really good Sabbath records, right? Right. Because we've been having this. Ar- Bobby and I have this argument because I'm I'm a big Rainbow fan. Yeah. All right. So I love Dio. Yeah. But but Sabbath. With Ozzy? All the way through Technical Ecstasy. This All the yeah, way through. It probably, it, it probably didn't help that I heard Elf before I heard Dio. Elf. Who uh, threw Elf out there? Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Elf and Rainbow. <laughs> nice. But how great of a, a song is like Stargazer or Man of the Silver Mountain? Or, Come on. You know. Oh, absolutely. Fan, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not war pigs. No, they're not war they're pigs. They're not war pigs. They're not, they're not paranoid, but... Okay, another right. one for you. Here's another one for you. <laughs> All right. Bon Scott or Brian Johnson? I I, I love them both. Uh, bon, because he was there for us. Bon, because he helped to forge that uh, that that image uh, of the, 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 the metal front guy kind of took over for, yep. uh, for, for Morrison, really. Right. right. I think uh, as far as that, uh, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. But You're throwing uh, him in there with Jim Morrison, you're saying? Oh, absolutely! As a crazy frontman, right? As the frontman, yeah. uh, absolutely. Just his, 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 you know, his charisma, his, his, his master of the stage. Um, that said, uh, our black, I mean, ACDC's two best albums have Brian Johnson on. Right. So, hmm, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, now, would have they gotten there? If Bond was still alive, maybe they would have gotten there, uh, or maybe they wouldn't have. But uh, I don't know. Beyond the Bush, whole lot of Rosie, man, I, I love those songs. But if, if you were gonna, you know, if I were going to choose, it would be, you know, what to just listen to. It would be Back in Black or for those about to run. You know? Huh. Okay. So I, yeah, we're, we're we've been arguing about this for the last few days, and t- uh, tonight our radio show is AC versus DC. So that's why we're yeah. That's why we're asking these questions. We're going to find out tonight. I mean, we've done Metallica on. versus Megadeth, Archangel versus Ginger, Iron Maiden versus Judas Priest, right? right. But yeah. then we just said, hey, what about AC versus DC? <laughs> right? There's, there's a show here, right? There, there is definitely a show here. So we'll, we'll find out tonight. So yeah, it's it's a toss up. We I I'm I'm saying Bond. Yeah, I'm in the Bond camp. I'm sorry. But Brian Johnson is a motherfucker, man. He is. Oh, absolutely. You wouldn't hey, want to fight him. I wouldn't I mean, fight really, him any day. I'm I'm, I, okay, my favorite songs have Bond. Bond as this charismatic lead singer who, who, who you know, really put a footnote in rock and roll. A- absolutely. But I still think ACDC's two best records don't have Bond on them. There's there no denying back in no black. Denying. There's no denying that. Album. No way out of it. Uh, no way out of it. No. You can't back out Absolutely of it anyway. But, 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 you know, but, you know, Bond's part of that record too, because they put that out so quick, like so quick. 
like that album came out less than a year after he had passed away, I think. And little like, known, little known fact, Bon Scott actually introduced Brian Johnson to the band. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, he uh, that. he went and saw a band called Jordy, which is Brian Johnson's band when he was in Jordy, and he said, "You got to see the singer." Went back to Angus and the Boys. You got to hear this guy. You got to come see Jordy. <laughs> so inadvertently, he set up the new singer for ACDC. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Man. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine uh, seeing ACDC and the Ramones in England in the mid-70s? Holy criminy. Uh, yeah, they, they they put them with the punk bands back in the day. In the day they did. Yeah, absolutely. They were a punk band. You know what? There's <laughs> another argument we were having. Uh, th- that's a very good point. Because they did get thrown in there with a lot of other punk bands, like the Damned. They did. Right. And they would get, do co-bills with these guys. Stiff Little Fingers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The Buzzcocks. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here's... Yeah. Here's ACDC, a pure, I think, not even a metal band, but a pure rock band. Yeah, rock and roll. But, but with that same kind of attitude that kicked, kicked away the dinosaurs of British rock, which is what the punk thing was pushing against, which is like King Crimson, yes. The list goes on and on about the prog rock and the rock bands in that time. People were tired of the polished sound and that sure. gymnastic playing, right? All of a sudden, ACDC right. comes along. People are like, what the fuck is this? You know yeah, what I mean? So Mal- they really Mal- kicked it in Malcolm, the teeth. Man. Yeah, I Malcolm, mean, Malcolm, Malcolm, man. Malcolm yeah. fucking Young. Rest in peace. Right. Yes, rest in peace. I mean, even during that time, they thought Iron Maiden was punk, too. They put him as punk band, too. Sure. Paul Diano. Oh, Paul Diano, those first two fucking Iron Maiden records, it's Steve Harris's band. Like, Yeah, we know that. But... But those first Paul Diano records, man, they, they are so close to punk. I mean, you can call them new wave of, of heavy metal, but but like fucking lumping them in there with Diamond Dead, I, I don't think it's fair. I mean, those first two records, they they had they had all of the good parts of punk and metal, and it wasn't even 1980 yet. Like you know, uh, the, the hardcore wasn't even a thing yet. You know, um, uh, the Clash, my favorite band. We're defining what punk was right then. And then fucking Iron Maiden put out these two records that were just, you know, they weren't punk. They weren't metal. They weren't anything. They were just Iron Maiden. And then Iron Maiden kind of took that. It's like, well, we're just going to be Iron Maiden for the rest of our career. And they did but, very well with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's, it's how many bands can say that? We, we sound like nobody fucking else on the planet. I'm not going to tell my Paul Diano stories again because I've already done that ad nauseum. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm a big fan of, of Paul Diano's Iron Maiden. I am a big yeah, fan. Me, me too. And when, and, he's, and when he stands there with his, with his leather on and his studded Bruce. wrists, you know what I mean? His, his, oh, his, his leather studded. So Bruce Dickinson too, number of the Beast tour. I know, but I'm just saying Paul Diano looked like he'd kick your ass. Well, you know what yeah, I mean? He almost, he, kicked, your, he almost kicked your he ass. He almost kicked my ass, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's another sort of tale for another I did time. have a fight with Paul Diano. Yes, I did. He did. He had a fight with Paul Diano. And, and Paul Dickinson is still killing it. Still killing it. He should not be able to sing like that. At his, at the fact that he, you know, he's beaten through cancer. He, he, he's, he, yeah, Dickinson is, is amazing. Yeah, Bruce Dickinson. Right. Bruce like, Dickinson. And at his age... <laughs> and we just yeah. saw him recently on the Legacy of the Beast tour. Yeah, we I mean, just saw Legacy of the Beast tour, man. I, I actually got, I actually, they actually uh, floated my boat and Live Nation gave me the Live Nation booth that night and it was awesome. Nice, nice. It, yeah, it, I, I did uh, a handful of those. I, oh, I got to do 
one of the uh, 747 shows when they did the, the eight shows all over the world. When sure. Which was the Flight 666, yeah, right? And right. Air Force yeah, One. Flight 666. Yeah, and Tulsa. We had to unload their shit on the fucking tarmac in Tulsa, again in Tulsa. Wow, Tulsa that's a nice that's... little rock and roll town. Like a, it's, it, it's like how uh, Austin was in 1986. Sure. Like, yeah. Oklahoma's a weird place. I mean, general. how crazy is the band has their own jet? The 747 to fly around the world, Ed Force One. It's got to be too cool. No, the cool thing about that whole tour, I want to just throw this out there, was that they played in freaking bizarre places and packed the motherfucker out everywhere they went. Oh, absolutely. They yeah, played yeah, in yeah. Angola, it would be packed. You know what I mean? Right. They, there's Iron Maiden fans all over the freaking world, millions of them. Yeah, it's like, it's like they found the smallest cities that you could land a 747 and said, okay, those are the eight we're going to play. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the people come out and sell it out immediately. Dude, it's crazy. waiting outside oh. in Colombia, in Mexico City. Yeah, Ch- yeah. Chile yeah. and Ecuador and places that no other bands will go. No one else yeah. will go there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they made the stage for Iron Man in India out of bamboo, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> and they brought him in on elephants. In Mumbai, right? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, in Mumbai. I don't know what's right. going on, but yeah, they, hey. They loaded the gear in the on elephants. The show must go on, right? The show must go on. So let's get back to Black Sabbath. You did some Black Sabbath okay. shows, right? The end, to, the end tour? Yeah, I, I got to work the last uh, uh, four Black Sabbath shows in uh, North America. Wow. And then they went, and then from... Last one was in San Antonio, which was just so cool because that was a whole, like, as far as marketing goes, they didn't even market it up. Like, you know, from the Alamo thing. Yeah. Yeah. The Alamo thing and Ozzy's history, but it was just a thing to Ozzy and a thing to them that, and plus San Antonio's metal. I don't know uh, if you know, but uh, it's, uh, you know, keep, keep Austin weird, keep Houston ugly and keep San Antonio metal. Like it is, it is the metal city. Like, uh, the stagehands there, we call the satanic Hispanics and we do that out of love. Right. Um, and it is a metal city. Like the Scorpions could play there and sell out a 20,000 seater tomorrow. Like huh. it is, it is a, a metal city. Like you wouldn't think San Antonio would be, but it is. My and last, so, my last uh, time in San Antonio was a little weird, but, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful little town. I mean, yeah. unless you're on the freeway there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but when you get up in the when you get up into the neighborhoods, it's pretty damn nice. Yeah, it is. It, it's surprisingly nice, hot as fuck. Um, yeah, and it's it, you know it's uh, you know when you say small little town, it's three point five mil. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking right. that's a small town. What are you talking about? <laughs> I figure I look so, at it as but, a small town, but that's because you know I've lived in L.A. my whole life, so whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, right, exactly. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So they, I, uh, I, I know people were like uh, a little iffy about Ozzy on this tour. Like, is Ozzy oh, going to bring it. it? Yeah, he killed, he killed it, didn't he? It. Every night. Killed it. And how about like, the drummer from Rage Against the Machine? How dude, about that what guy? the fuck? Oh, uh, 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 when, I, when I did it was Phil, Phil, I'm not going to remember his last name. Uh, dude, that guy who played on 13, just fucking amazing drummer. Amazing. He you know, killed it. The thing about that drummer, okay, so I didn't even know that Bill Ward wasn't going to be there. When I showed up in Phoenix and saw the show, who's this drummer? You know what I mean? But the guy was the best down-tempo drummer. He was very, he's like almost late on the back of the beat. Well, that's how it's supposed to be. And he he nailed it. 
He freaking yeah. nailed it. He was exactly yeah. just almost late on every snare hit, and I was loving it. And it's so funny. Yeah, he looked really? like a, he looked like a, like, a, like a young Bill Ward. <laughs> he he kind of did. He's got the same arms. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, same arms, same hair. Like he, you know, he's got the beard. His beard's a little different, but uh, and his kit's a little smaller. Which you'd think he'd have a big, like you know, huge kick drum. He didn't need it. He didn't no, fucking need he had like it. Twenty inch. He had like a twenty inch kick, which you know, hey, uh, 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 fucking like um, Danzig's best drummer. He had a tiny kick drum. A big kick drums don't absolutely mean booming sound it's all about the drummer man it's all about the drummer right. and it's also about it's also about how how the mic is right you know and and how that is done Little and guy. and uh and those things man you know you you flip the beater around so you got the hard plastic going on the head and if you got a tight small kick you can get a deeper sound out of it for sure yeah they they were so good i like i i still like i i like I'll, when we do shows, like I show up, I'm there from like four or five in the morning to like two or three at night, you know, sure. and I'm I, like, I'm the middleman. I'm the guy who has to make sure everything that's in the writer and the contract is there and all the equipment, is, you know, it, it, everything fits and the sight lines are good and the food's right and everything like that. So, but I, I rarely have time to, to actually watch the show and, and, and all four of those shows I did with them, I, I watched every minute it, because they were just that good. Right. Like I, this, there's, there's a reason there are stars and there are superstars. Yep. Like there, there is a reason. Yeah. And I remember that very clearly when, uh, when <laughs> I'm going to bring up the Motley Crue Aerosmith show again. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so <laughs> Motley Crue and Aerosmith at the, uh, what was it? Coors Amphitheater in San Diego. Motley Crue sucked. <laughs> they sucked. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. I don't know if it was their sound guy or what the situation was, but when Aerosmith got on there, they show you what a rock and roll band is. They show you what true stars are. I thought they blew me away. I was blown away. I'm not the biggest Aerosmith fan in the world, but when you're a star like that on that level, you bring something that's just totally different. Yeah, you know, on, on the same on the same uh, thing. The the time that happened to me, uh, this was again uh, House of Blue Chicago. I was lucky enough. Uh, Michael Yerke, the the booker there, uh, who is still in charge of uh, booking uh, booking theaters worldwide for Live Nation. Um, he got them to play two thirty shows, one in ninety nine and one in two thousand and one. Uh, Eddie Vedder opened the first one and Pearl Jam opened the second one. And this is a 1,400-seat club, right? Right. And uh, I remember just, like, I'm not the biggest Who fan in the world. I like some Who songs. I appreciate the Who songs. Each member individually, I, I really look up to. But I, I've never, like, you know, I've owned, you know, I owned Who's Next. About it. Oh, Leeds, Live Leeds. Uh, that, that's a whole different ballgame. Sure. Um, but, uh Soundcheck was going on, uh, one of the stage managers that day, and I had to run from backstage to front of house real fast. And they were sound checking, and it was, and it was, uh, uh, um, and was still alive. So, you know, it, it's, you know, uh, Daltrey, Townsend, On Whistle, and Zach Starkey, fucking uh, Ringo's kid. And, and sure. they're, they're, they're playing, I don't even remember what song, but I'm running around, and they were just going through a song, and they stopped me. 
Like I was in the middle of the dance floor and I just stopped because I had never heard a band play that good ever. Like, and suddenly then that's when I realized that there is a difference between stars and superstars and every uh, superstar band that I've been lucky enough to work with has presented that. Uh, like they, they, there's a reason why, like Bruce Springsteen, uh, you know, Black Sabbath, uh, Metallica, um, there's a reason those guys are, are so big because they really are better than everybody else. The, the, the true superstars, the ones we, we think about as icons, you know, it's not just marketing, you know. Sure. And I, I had a similar experience uh, at House of Blues in San Diego one night. I don't know if you remember when Stephen Stills played. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we were all concerned because he we sound checked the band in the afternoon, but he hadn't shown up. <laughs> and and it's it's going we're going to doors now. All right. The curtains are already are already shut and he shows up pretty much wasted. And I was thinking to myself, how the fuck is this guy going to do anything? You know? He ordered a bottle of gin and a couple steaks and he went into his green room. The guy came out and blew me away. No, his voice, man. And everybody in the audience was singing all the harmonies. You know what I mean? And it was like, right. Stephen Stills, yeah. man, he blew me away. And he's one of those people. He gets on stage. The man is a star. He's a superstar. Yeah. You yeah. What's, uh, what's funny if you start looking, because he, he never really marketed himself or didn't have the right agents, I guess, back in the day. Because if you start, like, if you go to Wiki uh, and look him up, see all of the recordings he's actually on as a backup singer and guitar player. Right. I mean, the list is like two pages long and it's all like a level stuff. Yeah. He's, 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 he's the real deal. The other one that like yeah, that is hot tuna. Hot tuna is another band that always blows me away whenever I see those guys. Hot tuna, fucking chocolate watch band. Yeah. 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 West coast, late sixties, fucking hard rock. Yes, sir. It exists. It does. It does. So I wanted to mention something else uh, about you. And um, now you're the production director for Live Nation Concert South. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. So you cover Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, New Mexico, that region. That region, yeah. What I wanted to mention was that in this uh, COVID-19 time when everything's gone crazy and nobody's working, I wanted to I wanted to give a shout out to Mike Rapino and what Live Nation has done with crew nation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes, it's, um, it's, uh, a charity, uh, that live nation has started. Um, they put in 5 million and then took, uh, cause live nation owns their, our own merch company sure. to go with our course. And, uh, we put all of our merch, uh, behind that too. So anybody who bought any of the crew nation merch attached to any of the bands that said crew nation, and we're going to match $5 million. So $10 million so far, uh, Live Nation, because of Michael Rapino, has put up support all of the behind-the-scenes people, the sound guys, the light guys, the production uh, managers, production coordinators, uh, you know, all of the, pe- the carpenters, they, the, the people you don't see who make the show happen. And um, in uh, for April, May, June, you could apply and get up to a thousand dollars a month from Live Nation to support because there's nothing coming in. Those guys, th- those guys' job 
just vanished overnight. Right. So uh, I, I, I just want to, I, I just want to make this clear to everybody listening that any concert you see, there's 60 to 80 motherfuckers back there working Yeah. yeah. That, that get there at dawn and stay there until the wee hours of the morning that yeah, unload the truck, load the yeah, truck. They, they unload the truck. They set up all the equipment. They do everything from soup to nuts. Everything is done. The band goes on stage for a couple hours. That's literally the shortest part of the day. And then, right. then there's the whole teardown. Yeah. There, there's OSHA rules. There's technical skills and ability that yeah. it are, are there's, there's people that work the boards that work the lights that are artists in every level and including production and stage managing and truck driving and logistics that are just as much artists as the people up there on stage. And we we tend to forget about that. But for every four guys you see on stage, there's 80 motherfuckers back there that are out of work right now. Yeah. So every, in every, every town. Yeah. yeah. So that's a big thing. And we, we uh, salute Live Nation and Mike Rapino for doing that because nobody else is doing that. So we want to just make that a point that we we uh, here at the old guys talk metal. Yeah, we I thank mean, it, we thank it, them it, for doing that for all the yes. road guys. Absolutely, it, it's been very difficult, uh, and I imagine it, it. I couldn't imagine like what he's going through, and and him, Bob Rue, uh, Mark Campana, like uh, you know, because they 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 live this, they love this. Like Rapino was born to do this. You hear him talk. Nobody talks like he talks and nobody walks like he walks. Like he doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. And he's had to make some very difficult decisions because Live Nation, we have, we have zero income, zero. And a company that employs 10,000 people around the world. Right. Uh, you know, and he's still doing these things because he, he recognizes the hand that feeds him. And it, 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 it and, uh, it, I applaud everything he's done so far. I, I, I agree with it. I think he's handled it well. And the crew nation thing is, is something we're all going to be proud of for a long time. So look it up people out there, check out crew nation and give your support to all the people that make these shows happen. Absolutely. And notice a lot more going on when you go see a show, you got to know a lot's going on, so be respectful. Uh, uh, buy the merchandise, support the band, support the people that put these shows on. You know, don't be, you know, we'll get over everything and there'll be in live shows again. But make sure you get out there and support everybody who takes part in the shows. It's a big production, it's a lot of work. A lot of people feed their families doing this and they need yeah, your help. They do. So, on a lighter note, though, before we go out here. Okay. <laughs> I was just throwing it out there. I just wanted to throw it I out there. I am going to ask you, name your top five favorite metal bands of all time. Ones you can't do without. Uh, you know, um, Sabbath, Kiss, okay. Metallica, okay. Death, Death Angel. Death Angel. Ah. Ooh, nice. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, uh, that's. And ACDC, I guess I would put in there. Uh, man, I was, you know, there's, there we go. That's five. But I, you know, once again, I digress. Um, give us your top man. 10. Don't be shy. Yeah, give us your yeah. top 10. Keep on, keep on going. Oh, uh, 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 Pantera. Pantera. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, man, uh, Pantera. Uh, so where are, where are we? I, You're at six. You're at six. Black Sabbath. Okay, we're at six. 
uh, after Pantera, uh, man, I like the thrash stuff. I'm going to say Megadeth, definitely. Uh, Hangar 19 just oh, still to this day rips my fucking guts out. Okay. Um, and and uh, uh, you know, I have this thing for Budgie, even though I can't listen to an entire record by them. But, <laughs> but, but Red Fan alone, and they have better. They have as good a song. They have a few songs that are just as good as Red Fan. But let, let, just the riff of Red Fan alone deserves them to be in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, man, uh, where are we? You're at ten. <laughs> no, not at ten oh, yet. He's, oh, like, he's not. He's oh. about at eight. He's at eight. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Give us a couple five. more. Give well, us a couple more. Off the top of my head, I'm, I'm going to say that dude, I probably missed one that my friends are going to fucking give me shit about that I missed. But uh, um, that's probably you know those those are the ones really off the top of my head. Um, I remember seeing White Zombie open for Pantera uh, in the mid '90s, blowing the shit out of them. So Jay Jay Younger like. I don't know what happened to him. What happened to JR? He was so good with White Zombie and then just fucking disappeared. Nobody knows. And, uh, but same thing against John Five, uh, Zombie's current guitar player, because he's a motherfucker of motherfuckers. Like, like he, he's up there with Prince, Jeff Beck, Steve Vai. Steve, uh, yeah, John Five is one of them. If you haven't yeah. seen John Five and the Creatures on tour, his solo band, go see John Five and the Creatures. I've seen John Five like 10 times in a solo band. He'll blow your mind away. This guy's a virtuoso. He can play anything. 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 I mean, yep. same with Zach Wilde. Zach Wilde can play anything, too. Uh, oh, but I forgot the Misfits uh, because of Misfits. Uh, Walk Among Us. I'm going to throw them in as a metal band and say they're 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 in the top ten. Okay. Of course, we know you love The Clash. Yeah. And Dead Kennedys, I'd imagine. Yeah. And who else in the Who else in the punk genre besides those guys? Oh man, I, you know I, you know, being in the Midwest, I like all the cow punk stuff. Super suckers, definitely super suckers. Super suckers. Nice. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the original lineup. Like it just doesn't get the rock and roll does not get any better than that. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, back in the day would have been I would have said Crow Mags. Uh, Love me some NYC co- uh, hardcore from back in the day. Right. Uh, you know, I, I like. Uh, I like uh, the the first couple uh, Black Flag albums, and sure. then uh, and then Circle Jerks, and then Off. You'll notice Keith Morris is in there uh, all, all all three times. So it it seems that Keith Morris is involved with a punk band. I like it. Um, that's 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 good enough there. That's that I could go. Oh, radio. I like and then the Aussie stuff. Radio Birdman, Celibate Rifles, Cosmic Psychos, all of the Aussie, uh, the 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 punk stuff right after ACDC, uh, all of that stuff. Especially Radio Birdman and Dennis Tech. Uh, man, those guys. So yeah, you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna throw the Stooges in there. Uh, well, I, I would throw them as proto punk, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Stooges changed my life. I, like I, I probably played more Stooges covers on stage than any other band that I've, I've played covers of. So, you know, there's that. Uh, and of course the Ramones, like you just, you know, you know, who was there first and Joey, the, I think the great unsung singer of our generation. I, I just think that Joey's voice is not appreciated enough. Like he, he's as good as any Motown female singer as a, as, as a gawky white dude from Queens. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, 
Yeah. I mean, how important was the CBGB? I mean, the years of CBGB, how important was that? How many bands oh, man. went through there? Talking Blondie, Talking Heads. Television, uh, the Dead Boys, television. right? Oh, how yeah, in, how important is beating on the brat with a baseball bat? <laughs> he, loves to, he loves to say that. How can you not love that? Everybody loves that. Either that or he yeah. sniffs, sniffs some glue. Everybody loves sniffing glue and beating on a brat with a baseball bat. Everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll have to have you on again. We're going to be doing a tribute to CBGB radio show here soon. We're going to have you on and play Nitro Jr., The Bottle Tones. Absolutely. And uh, your band, Motor Breath. Absolutely. And your picks. I would, I would, I, I, you know, the other bands you can find out there, Nitro, Bottle Tones, uh, Motor Breath, you know, I was a kid. We released one tape, and it is, uh, it, it is the, the Great Lost Metallica album of 1992. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it, is, it is spectacular. Right up there, we kill them all. <laughs> well, we're going to play yeah, it. It's uh, uh, it's it, 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 it's the it's the Metallica record that Testament really wanted to make. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and another point, people always tell oh, me. Oh, I love Slayer. Slayer is the only important band in the world. Slayer. What you didn't mention Slayer. You about? You're asking me about top ten metal bands. I don't throw the obvious one out. Slayer. Slayer is the only band that matters. Slayer is Slayer. the ultimate. Defense against the dirty, nasty hippies out there. <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, listen, Slayer may not be the best band in the world, but there is no other band in the world like Slayer. And there's something to be said like that. I mean, it's just for that. It's like nobody else has done or will ever do what Slayer did. And, 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 and Satan bless them. And, and Satan bless them. And how about them dummy cabs they got there? You know, uh, this last tour, uh, those were all on. I mean, it was they were they were pushing uh, 112 at the board. So last show I did with them, they pushed in off meat racks rows of empty Marshall's cabinets. Rows. Yeah, Ingve must have been having a sale. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Slayer's right up there with Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath. And they're, they're just icons. You think they're up there with Iron yeah. Maiden and Black Sabbath? I think they are. Yeah. As far as being iconic metal bands, yeah. Okay. They're as famous as any of those guys. Okay. Yeah. You know? Listen, listen. I, th- my saying is there's Slayer and there's everybody else. <laughs> sure. No, that's the way I feel about Judas Priest, but we aren't going to go there right now. Oh, you thought you, oh. you, thought you said Deep Man, Purple? We have, so we, we, I love we Deep Purple too. Long time. So speaking of Judas Priest, and it has nothing to do with Judas Priest. 1985-1986, Dokken opened for every band in the world. Were there like eight different versions of Dokken? Yeah. Because I saw them open for Judas Priest, for Metallica, for Sammy Hagar. How could they open? Every fucking metal tour in 1985 and 1986. I just did a show with Dokken last year. They're still doing it. They're still doing yeah. it, but it's, yeah. not, it's not the original Dokken. It's not the original Dokken. When he saw the original Dokken. George right. Lynch, yeah. you know, Jeff Pilsen, Mick right. Brown, and Don But Dokken. I hear that Lynch, Lynch Mob is going to be touring with Dokken. Lynch Mob is playing yeah, with yeah. Dokken, and they're coming together for just yeah. some uh, Dokken tunes, Lynch and Dokken. Uh, but okay. uh, full circle, uh, Nick Brown, drummer, is now has been Nuge's drummer for decades now okay. and uh 
Jeff Tolson is in uh, Foreigner and has been for a long time. Yeah. Which Foreigner? <laughs> Which well, the one that actually the one that actually gets to use the name that the lead singer actually occasionally shows up. To. Lou Graham, uh, right? Yeah, Lou, so, Lou Graham. It's Lou Graham's foreigner. It's just yeah, Lou Graham's foreigner. Yep. So, what about the so, guitar player's foreigner? Uh, I don't know about that one. Okay, I so know about Lou Graham. Okay, because I've seen them both, and they're yeah. both they're so, both they're both really good. Yeah, but however, Lou Graham just retired. He's he did the last yeah. show. He's done. Yeah, he's done. Yeah, he he's was done. Little, yeah, he seemed tired last time. So now it's Jeff Pilson's foreigner. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm taking a stab like, in the dark. Well, like, but think about it. I mean, like Dawkins getting together and Pilson's like, my day job's foreigner. Like, come on. <laughs> right. However, they put a lot of money for them to go play Tokyo, the original Dokken. Remember that? Go to Japan. They put a lot of money out for those guys. So, oh, yeah. I'll do oh, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> sure they did. They were, they were much bigger in Japan, weren't they? they absolutely. Were. Absolutely. Yeah, they were. And we could talk yeah, for hours about I, shows. I, yeah. This was, that was not anything bad. I have nothing but good things to say about Dokken's live band. It was just so confusing to me how they could open every single tour in 1985-1986. Seemed like it. Yeah, they were opening for Dio and Priest and everybody. I even saw them open for Loverboy, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sit... I, I, well, Dokken came on first thing. Did God. you have your Japanese headband on? <laughs> <laughs> no. I was a rising here. sun. <laughs> Lynch, Lynch was... Not, yeah, George Lynch was always my favorite shredder just because I, I loved him. Yeah. Always, because he was a little dirty, you know. He wasn't as clean as as, as Vi or Rhodes, you know. I, sure. I like the fact he was a little dirty, a little sloppy sometimes. Right. Absolutely. Come on, Mr. Scary himself. Oh, Mr. Scary, badass song. Absolutely. It's a badass song, and George, one of the best guitar players out there, he really is. Yeah, he is. All right, yeah, so. Great guy. Every time I've met him, he's a nice guy, nice guy. So, Brady Scott Campbell. You're listening to the Old Guys Talk Metal and Sometimes Punk podcast. We salute you. <laughs> thank, thank you guys so much. It's been a blast. Thank you for being and on the show. We will have you on again. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And we're going to talk to you real soon. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you again. Next time I'll tell you about King Diamond and taking a meat hot dog. Oh, wait a minute. We might have to stop oh, the show right on. here. Wait. <laughs> we are huge King Diamond fans. Wait, put the Merciful Fade fans. Put the brakes on. <laughs> He's talking King Diamond. If we just saw King Diamond recently. We just saw King Diamond, yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll talk about the next podcast. We'll get right. back into yeah. it with King Diamond. We'll start with King Diamond. All right, my friend. Thank you for being on again. We hail you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, guys. See ya. See ya.